Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Yesterday, Ravi Menon, Managing Director of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, indicated a preference for strong regulation rather than an outright ban on crypto-related business as Singapore seeks to cement herself as a key player for cryptocurrency-related business. At the Asia Financial Markets Forum last week, the Chairman of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, Tamanshan Muguratnam, said cryptocurrencies have a place in Singapore's financial sector, pointing out that stablecoins can have a role together with traditional payment systems, though they need to be regulated, he said. Stablecoins, a type of digital asset pegged to traditional currencies, seem to be coming into mainstream focus. There's Tether or USDT pegged to the US dollar. It's the largest stablecoin by market cap, around 69 billion US dollars as of October. But the capacity, or rather the opacity, I should say, of its reserves has been the subject of great controversy. We'll dive into that in a bit. The Singapore dollar pegged stablecoin, XSGD, has also seen rises since its launch back in October 2020. About 1.8 billion in XSGD has been transacted over the past year. Meanwhile, in the last couple of days, traders have been digesting a report from the US administration saying while stablecoins could transform the payment space, more regulatory oversight is needed. Specifically, the report recommended that Congress pass legislation that limits stablecoin issuance to banks or regulate issuers like banks. Don't forget, back in September, uh, U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler likened stable coins to poker chips at the casino, he said, which can hurt people without stronger oversight. And Jerome Powell in July issued an urgent call for regulation of stable coins. So today we're taking the pulse of stable coin governance, asking what could Singapore's ambitions to become a leading player in the crypto space really mean? And later on, we'll take a look at the metaverse. What could the development of that space mean for the commoditization of digital rights and crypto assets that stake engagement? We're checking in with a man who's literally in the who's who legal.com, the who's who's legal world. He's written a terrific feature that'll be out soon at uh, who's who legal.com. He's Krishna Ramachandra, an international corporate lawyer with a deep tech slant in his practice. Managing Director Dwayne Morris Selvam, LLC, Senior Advisor to the Global Blockchain Foundation and Chairman of the Helix Initiative, a non-profit think tank that believes in independent, empowering thought. Good morning, Krishna. Good morning, Michelle. All right, good to have you with us. So there have been concerns over stable coins uh, over mm-hmm. this idea of opacity of reserves. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. one controversy centering on Tether, the most valuable mm-hmm. stable coin in the world, sporting market cap of about $69 billion. Critics asking, is Tether tethered to anything? Who has seen its billions that Tether claims is it, its reserves? So are stable coins moving, in your opinion, from the obscure corner of the cryptoverse to the center of it? Pretty much so. Um, the uh, the stablecoins are a, an integral part of uh, the entire universe of uh, cryptocurrency trading uh, as we see it at the moment, and um, it's important because you know if you look at the um, the the thesis behind a stablecoin is effectively to ensure that let's assume you bought a you know a, a, a few thousand uh, you know shibas. Uh, 
uh, Shiba Inus for you know a thousand bucks, and you know it just went on a fantastic uh, rise, and and by by the evening you have made you know I don't know eight thousand dollars and. Um, and you were just not sure if it's going to um, collapse the, the following day. And so what you would do is you would convert your Shibus into a stable coin, right? So it was really to, to hedge against the volatility of the cryptocurrency market. And the, the stable coins that are largely supported and, um, and popular, as you correctly mentioned, is Tether. Um, also, you correctly mentioned that you know it had had some really dubious. Uh, uh, it had a dubious past. I think it's now back on the straight and narrow because um, they're on uh, I think fortnightly checks and audits by the um, by US the regulators. After yes, it was that's signed. right. Yeah. And um, but um, but I just feel that um, the the stable coins uh, and 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 what they perform right now is uh, is is pretty key because uh, for you to actually convert your crypto and and have it. Uh, off ram onto fiat uh, and then get back on would be um, quite um, you just basically miss the bus uh, because you know it's such a volatile market and if you're a speculator or, or a day trader uh, it's going to be critical to have a good stable coin why does there seem to be this impulse um, for the urgent need to regulate stable coins um, how safe hmm. are they who issues them now let's assume the universe has moved on from the early days the cowboy days of the wild wild west of the uh, the tethers uh, of you know four or five years ago and let's just assume again that the stable coins are largely asset backed um that means you have a matching dollar for instance for every uh, unit of the uh, coin that is issued the um the the stable coins would would essentially still be an important um part of the ecosystem and you would have players who would look at having uh, other functionalities now coming out of the stable coin. As I mentioned before, the volatility was the first uh, and, and foremost uh, function that it played. But then now with DeFi, you know, you can actually stake your stable coins and then there is the possibility of having uh, derivatives uh, such as uh, borrowing and lending off the stable coins, um, which obviously has caused some concern for the uh, regulators. But I think the the the, the real uh, bugbear that the uh, regulators have mm. is centered around the fact that the stable coins may insidiously, you know, um, some supplant the um, uh, the currency of that jurisdiction as a as a method of payment, and then you know that's going to be uh, you know if you're a central banker and uh, and you're doing your your M2 numbers um, where you are measuring the supply of money and 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 anything near near like to money, and here you have potentially um, a currency that is masquerading as 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 a uh, as a as the country's currency, or not masquerading, but you know functioning as that. Then you know you would have huge concerns on how you actually measure your monetary. Uh, uh, policies, right? You're not being able mm. to measure your M1 and M2. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, though, um, how how close are stable coins to becoming widely used by households and businesses um, to warrant them being a source of possible threat to the f- a financial system? Well, I don't think they will ever get to a stage where they will be a threat to the financial system purely because they will be regulated way before that. Mm. And so they will be a... Um, they will end up being a necessary partner 
and a compliant partner uh, to the entire ecosystem. So I, um, I, 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 don't see, I don't see the stable coins per se being a threat uh, to the... Um, Okay, let me phrase uh, it differently the then. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. think that uh, a stablecoin issuer or you know, hugely popular stablecoin issuer could wield huge economic power? Or do you think we're seeing regulation come to play now that'll prevent that? Okay, that's a good point because uh, there was a tiny footnote in the, uh, in the report that came out recently uh, mm-hmm. by the U.S. Treasury. And that footnote had pretty much, um, you know, it was targeted at DM or, or rather fa- uh, Facebook's uh, um, uh, in, initially, it was called Libra, and now it's DM, and mm. um, so it was targeted at. Uh, they had a they had a phraseology for it, which was basically non-financial interactions with tech companies. Uh, so essentially, I think their their concern is. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Facebook or Meta with with 2.4 billion users, and if they effectively had a a form of monetary system that allowed for users, Facebook users to uh, to effectively, you know, operate within that enclosed system. You know, that's a major chunk of the uh, of the global population, let alone the uh, a country's population of uh, of users uh, operating in parallel to an economy. Um, I, I think that's a major concern. Um, Facebook had attempted in the early days to try and align themselves, you know, say, stating that they were going to use the U.S. dollar as a uh, as one of the basket of uh, currencies they're going to peg to. Um, I think that hasn't worked out. Uh, but let's see, because um, especially with their plans for the metaverse, which is mm. which actually puts another layer of complication into this whole, uh, um, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't already difficult enough in the physical world, so to speak, to, to try and keep track of the various uh, digital currencies that are operating as money mm. and, and, and payment. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine then creating a, a parallel universe where, you know, you, you still have the use of, uh, um, uh, use of money or near money in, in many forms um, operating. And, 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 and I think that's the, that's the big, big elephant in the room. And I, and, and I think it's, uh, it's coming to us at a, at, at a, at a much quicker pace. Um, I think most of the central banks, um, alongside the um, the BIS, had uh, uh, had had catered for various forms and, and types of uh, uh, currencies, central bank uh, issued currencies. But I think the the metaverse, uh, you know, no pun intended, has uh, really you know uh, put things uh, right up to another universe of uh, of issues for them to consider, because mm-hmm. I think mapping mapping the velocity of money within the metaverse is going to be um, pretty difficult because you'll have, you'll have effectively another operating system on top of a, uh, of the so-called physical world operating system. Yeah, that's digitally. interesting. And we're going to pick mm-hmm. up on that in a while, how Facebook doesn't seem to be making its own token the centerpiece mm-hmm. of its digital payment strategy. And, you know, uh, in essence, it's pivoted to this idea of the metaverse um, mm-hmm. and supporting existing, perhaps, um, stable coins. But before we leave the topic of stable coins, I just want to mm-hmm. clarify one thing. I mean, sure. Prior to this, we heard so much about CBDCs. Now, what is the mm-hmm. difference between a CBDC and a stable coin? Actually, they are pretty different um, in the sense that uh, one is just issued by the central bank, and not to say that you don't have a central bank that can issue uh, that wouldn't be able to issue a stable coin. But the fundamental purpose for a, 
central bank uh, digital currency would be effectively to to have a an efficient manner in 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 tracking um, uh, tracking their um, uh, their their money supply and and how and and how the um, uh, how money gets um, churned if you like within the economy and and you're able to do various to- sorts of um, uh, programming onto the currency as well. You know, you, there is an accounts-based uh, system. There is also a, a, a uh, if you like, a, um, a a synthetic and hybrid form where the um, it doesn't go through the the traditional route of central banks to commercial banks, but directly to the uh, uh, to the retailers. So when you have these digital banking licenses being given out to Big corporates. Effectively, what you're seeing is the um, the introduction of new players, if you like, to the monetary system, because they. I mean, it's quite clever because the central bank effectively would have the uh, the likes of um, Grab, for instance, to um, um, uh, to work alongside it in terms of all the all the currency, digital currency that is issued and they'll issue it directly. And the central bank will also then have another form of currency or they could choose to have another form of currency, which mm. would actually be like airdrops directly. You could, you, could, you, could, you could do means testing to figure out which are the households that actually have uh, uh, X um, income in a month and, and ensure that those currencies uh, only uh, blossom in their, in their hands. The, you know, the, the use cases of stable coins is still emerging. The hope is that they make various financial processes faster, uh, you mm-hmm. know, escrow streamlined by these smart contracts that use stable coins. So if we see these green shoots, Congress, you know, deciding stable coin issuances, if Congress does decide stable coin issuances should be limited to banks, what does this mean for their use case? Will this reduce it? I, I, I think um, perversely wouldn't because if you think about it, the stable coins um, they they have a limited lifespan because they are, um, the genesis for them obviously was to uh, first uh, prevent the vo- volatility and uh, and and hedge your um, the worth of your your currencies at that particular point uh, of your tokens at that particular point, and then if you I mean so in in an ideal universe you would have the cryptocurrencies not being as volatile, but assuming that they, they, that volatility is the name of the game and it's a key feature of the uh, currencies, then you, one would argue that the stable coins that we know of uh, right now have performed a, a function as a stand-in hedge currency before the central banks get their act together. Because in theory, if you think about it, it's a synthetic representation of either the U.S. dollar or the Singapore dollar. And what happens when, uh, when, when that particular country issues their own, um, if you like, stable coin? Um, then there would, there would be no need, really, if you think about it, for the uh, stable coin. Now, I'm putting aside the whole, um, the whole functionalities around staking mm-hmm. because I think that in itself would be another set of regulations uh, coming online because you you now have an income stream that is uh, that potentially could be derived from staking these uh, holding on to these stable coins and uh, going on to some of these DeFi platforms uh, decentralized financial platforms finance platforms which which pay a, a, a yield so 
I, th- I think that's where the stable coins will start having having a a battle for um, their place in the um, in the ecosystem because they would face regulators having to uh, um, uh, requiring them to be uh, robustly uh, regulated, and at the same time they would have the twin problem of central banks coming up with their own stable coins as well. But I think um, we would um, probably slowly see the um, uh, the depth of uh, some of the um, the lesser stable, the lesser known stable coins. You know, last night I was uh, perusing news. Uh, private market exchange addicts sent mm-hmm. me news that they'd be launching their first cryptocurrency product today. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a listing with a digital asset fund by investment manager Trovio Capital. So it aims to provide an option for crypto investing with institutional grade safeguards uh, with regards to execution, custody of the funds. Um, mm-hmm. It's relying on institutional quality infrastructure. The first asset, digital asset fund to be audited by KPI. Custody and trading provided by Coinbase. So, you know, even as we read Singapore having grand plans to become a Mm -hmm. global crypto hub, from an observer perspective, who really is allowed to play in this space? And what are the possibilities of Singapore uh, as we move towards becoming this crypto hub? Is it mainly accredited investors? No, um, you know, there are... Uh, there's this whole uh, PSA regime, uh, the Payment Services Act uh, uh, licensing regime that we we spoke about at the um, previously, mm-hmm. and you know when that comes online uh, with with more uh, platforms and exchanges being able to um, um, uh, um, to offer their products and services to Singaporeans, then I'll, you will see certainly a lot more participation by the uh, by the retailers. And and mind you, you know the retailers are like quite a savvy lot, right? And so they could quite easily, um, you know, quite creatively rather, um, uh, reach out to some of the other exchanges out there, which uh, which somehow do not um, um, uh, go through um, some of the Singapore servers. Um, not that I'm suggesting that should be done, but I think you know, in the, in a matter of uh, months, you'll you'll see a lot more exchanges uh, come online and and offer services to. Uh, uh, to the retail uh, public, so I don't think that's I don't think that's an issue, and I and I think the narrative is still the correct one, which is um, obviously it, it has to be robustly regulated. I think that's a given, um, and I don't think uh, the new the new providers of uh, crypto services or or, or digital asset um, uh, products would would be able to get away with the wild wild west days of uh, yesteryears. And, and everything is going to be regulated. And, I, and, and it's just a fact of the matter is you would imagine that the central bank would feel completely naked in not being able to track all these cryptocurrencies, put it, putting aside the speculation of crypto, cryptocurrencies, but actually the actual use of cryptocurrencies as a form of barter or payment for goods. And imagine not being able to track that. You know, and, and also the Indian revenue, not being able to track payments for services that are, are made through cryptocurrencies which are not so-called in the system. So those are the twin concerns the, um, the central banks and the regulators have. And I think they are all in the process of um, addressing it. But one thing we'll definitely not see is um, a central bank uh, digital currency that is on the blockchain because, you know, uh, it's going to be hard to just keep printing uh, 
without accountability. You have a terrific feature that will be published soon in whosolegal.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, on my LinkedIn as well, I guess. Oh, fantastic. We'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you say the metaverse has always been in existence in some form or degree, and you seem to indicate the Zoomers, uh, Gen Z, are already in this space, which you describe as um, the uh, embracing the ultimate virtual 3D world, which spans across mm-hmm. shared private digital experiences. And you say um, that the people in the metaverse are immersing themselves almost in a world of their own. They do not care if you do not value a piece of art for $69 million because they will. And they're happy to burn the physical art pieces to make their point. Beautifully written. So I want to ask you, with Facebook changing its name and all this attention on the metaverse, what does this mean for crypto assets? Wow. Um, well, first off, uh, if you are listening in and you uh, and you haven't gotten yourself into this space, I would I would strongly urge you to just start doing some uh, uh, some basic readings. The good thing is you can kind of almost bypass what's happened in the last ten years and go straight into what what's going to happen in the metaverse and effectively try and focus onto uh, um, those cryptocurrencies or those projects that effectively link gaming, the gaming, um, the ecosystem of gamers where they have tokens uh, that sprout out of uh, the games they play or you have now a whole host of things like fan tokens, social tokens, you know, um, tokens that that link themselves to a community. And and guess where these tokens are valuable and, and recognized as... Um, as as good value, it is in the in in the metaverse or in a in a digital universe, which is represented through the uh, the projects that have, for example, created uh, plots of land where you can actually build your house. And so you, you can imagine. I'm sure most of us would have heard of uh, you know at least a, a niece or a nephew or or, or a child uh, playing. You know whether it was Minecraft or you know or, or even Fortnite. And you know how um, the Zoomers are just just completely enthralled in this whole process of building a community and 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 building their own homes. And and if you think about it, right, with overpopulation and and the social divide even uh, uh, getting greater, um, it's a form of escapism as well. Um, you know, I had made reference in, in in an earlier article to uh, Ready Player One, and and and. And I thought Ready Player One is like years away, but I, I think it's already on our doorstep. And and if you think about the narrative that even Xi Jinping has mentioned about you know creating not only a common prosperity amongst its uh, uh, citizens, but you know the fear that uh, that Tanping, or, or rather the concept of like lying back and just relaxing and and taking things easy, um, that all kind of sprouts from the the relatively um, docile, sedentary lifestyle one would have just being in front of a computer and not going out there to so-called make the food. Um, so I think there are, there are greater social implications for how things are panning out, but it would be um, unwise um, leadership or government in any country to not take heed of um, what's happening amongst the youth, uh, amongst the Zoomers, because 
you know, um, they are, you know, they are certainly years uh, ahead of, uh, I mean, at least for me, you know, I was uh, very proudly uh, discovering certain, uh, like Travis Scott had done this event in um, with Fortnite about a year and a half ago. Okay, I'm going to prove right. myself a Luddite. Who's yeah. Travis Scott? Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> he's apparently quite a hip-hop, uh, you know, uh, artist and oh, okay. uh, quite popular. Ah, and, American um, rapper. Okay, got it. Yes, yes, that's mm. right, that's right. And, um and and then I, I I very proudly send it to my sons and you know they're saying, oh wow we are impressed you know uh, we were actually there live uh, and this was about a year and a half ago and I felt <laughs> wow okay uh, you so know, what's because, he done he's teamed up with Fortnite uh, yeah game. so you know mm-hmm. so they teamed up with uh, he teamed up with Fortnite and and had a an event where you can imagine his concert was effectively when when the kids or the Zoomers they get online. Uh, and then they have their various groups, and uh, you know. And if you are following a particular YouTube, uh, YouTuber, you could even just go through uh, that particular YouTube channel and uh, and enjoy the party, so to speak, amongst your friends. And then there mm. is the and the actual concert, and it's all it's just it's just mind blowing. And and then I found out that Marshmallow had done something like two years before. And so I'm thinking, my God, I mean, I, You're I thought too cool I was for really... school. You're too cool for school, Krishna. No, Who's Marshmallow? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. All from the research, all from the research. Trust me, trust me. Uh, and, and I was like thinking, you know, I, I prided myself as like really kind of like knowing most of the stuff out there. But I felt, you oh, know, wow, okay, this is like, and that's why I was like so intent on. Uh, and getting that article out very quickly and um, and sharing some of my one. thoughts and mm. yeah, no, thank so, you. So it's really interesting. So the the metaverse could also be a space where where these personalities can monetize um, mm-hmm. with their tribes, uh, with with tokens or developing their own sort of uh, currencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you, you would have noticed. I mean, if you were you know, if if you do some trading uh, that. Uh, that immediately after Mark Zuckerberg had uh, released his founder's uh, video and, and letter, mm. you know, all the, um, or most of the, the crypto counters that had some exposure to the metaverse, mm-hmm. uh, you know, immediately, you know, tripled or quadrupled. And, um, and one particular uh, token was Decentraland, uh, the MANA, the MANA tokens, where, you know, you effectively you, 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 you can buy plots of land there. It's all sold out, by the way. You can buy plots of land uh, virtually, and then you can build on it. And, and so, like, for example, there's a casino there. Mm. And uh, in that casino, they actually have uh, croupiers in the physical world who are actually greeting, um, uh, greeting um, you know, the um, clients and customers coming in to the, uh, to the casino in the virtual world. So they're so surreal. And, and they get paid. Uh, they get paid, you know, according to uh, you know, obviously uh, mana is a pretty, uh, pretty fungible in that sense. Um, but they get paid in crypto or fiat, and it's so for me that was like, uh, and and this was about a year ago. Uh, mm. But you can see it already happening where you, you could imagine someone's at home and they are participating in and in a gig economy of sorts where they are actually greeting or they they are performing some functionality physically. Um, whilst actually carrying out that activity um, uh, digitally, if you like, um, in the uh, in the virtual world, so augmented reality, mixed reality, and and you know it's interesting to see how much emphasis uh, Microsoft has given to Mesh as well, and so I think they are also ahead of the game in terms of at least trying to get the infrastructure and hardware 
part of the pie. Yeah. Um, mm. Not yeah. just the race to the moon, but the, ru- the race to meta is really fascinating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Krishna, for joining us this morning. Always fascinating well. speaking with you. And we'll Pleasure. look out for that feature of yours on whoswholegal.com. Okay, thank you very much. Krishna Ramachandra, one of Singapore's top 100 lawyers, is ranked by the 2019 Asia Business Law Journal edition, Managing Director of Dwayne Morris and Selvam, Chairman and Managing Director of Selvam LLC. With me this morning in Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.